Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 455 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is the not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We are out there raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country, and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups are developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. And don't forget you can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events, and updates. I'm Andy Gorham, your host for today's show and founder of BizJuicer, a consultancy that helps companies connect their purpose and proposition to your people, creating stickier, more successful businesses from the inside out. Now, we are in the midst of the imminent threats associated with climate change. If the recent weather and the effects of it haven't woken you up to that, goodness help us. At the forefront of the fight against the threat of climate change is Eden, or the Eden Project, as many will know it. Did you know that the 2021 saw the 20th anniversary of Eden? An anniversary that happened during lockdown. And the last two and a bit years of COVID were difficult for many, many people and businesses, as has been well reported and experienced by us all. Eden was affected just like the rest of us. But also it came at a crucial time in its strategic planning, organisational development and the continued fight and leadership against climate change. How has it affected? What's been the impact of all that? And what does it mean for Eden and the people behind it going forwards? Well, with me today is Dawn George, the Chief People and Culture Officer for Eden. And she's going to tell us all about the challenges they faced, the lessons they've learned, and how they're pushing forward and taking their team with them. Welcome to the show, Dawn. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here, Dawn. Really good to have you here. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about these challenges that you've faced as a team at, at Eden and how you're taking that stuff forward today. But before we get into all of that, can you do us a quick favour? Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do at Eden and perhaps explain for those that don't know what Eden is and maybe even remind us of that mission that's behind Eden? Um, so uh, I'm Dawn. I am, as you, as you said, I'm the Chief People and Culture Officer at Eden. Um, and putting in that in, in a nutshell, uh, the two words are the key, really. So I look after all of the Eden team, that's staff, volunteers, anybody we have on, with us on partner or associate basis. Um, and quite importantly, the culture. And a big part of that is obviously around inclusion. Uh, probably unusually in a, a people HR environment, I'm also responsible for the inclusion of our visitors to sites. So it's not just about our staff team. Um, and it, it, it works very well because obviously challenges work on both fronts like that. So my my um, my raison d'etre is really to help others. I'm here to support with the team alongside me, um, really here to support uh, anything that happens at Eden, problems and how we overcome them, but specifically around the more positive things. Um, in terms of Eden, um, I've been with Eden 11 years this year. Um, and Eden uh, is just a wonder of a place to be. Um, you can't really have a bad day at Eden because you just take yourself off into a <laughs> corner somewhere and you find somewhere that you think, OK, that's why I'm doing all this. 
Um, but for, for anyone that doesn't know, um, Eden, we're, we're based down in Cornwall, uh, near St Hostel. Um, Eden was a regenerative project. So um, Sir Tim Smith, our co-founder, had a bonkers idea that he could um, turn this disused clay pit, of which there are several across Cornwall, um, into the eighth wonder of the world. And that was how Eden came together. Uh, lots and lots of statistics around um, Eden's build. It broke so many records in terms of the tallest scaffolding ever, the biggest scaffolding ever, all sorts of things. But in essence, what's grown over those last 20 years, and the team are obviously integral to that, um, is the most amazing gardens, um, the, the team that support that in so many ways, um, the programmes that we've put on. But what we do at our heart is support um, the world, really. Um, so our mission has always been to collect, to make the world a better place and doing that through engaging with people and then understanding how plants have a major impact on so many things that we do. Um, and that that mission has just become stronger, particularly mm. over the last few years where we've talked very actively about climate change. Um, hopefully people will know that we, we hosted the G7 leaders some time ago. Um, and that, was, I think, is really part of Eden growing up and being seen as a really serious voice on the climate change agenda. Um, we've been invited to uh, COP26 on the back of G7 and are seen as a leader in this field in terms of how we help educate people about sustainability, climate change and how, yes, you can impact that. I think a lot of people think about climate change being too big a thing to solve, but actually small changes done on multiple um, occasions do make a difference. And that's really about how we want to help people. We don't want to scare them, although there's a bit of jeopardy in there. There has to be. Um, but it is about, yes, it is scary, but these are the things you can do to help. And I think now we've, you know, we've absolutely gone through that stage of being a very young organisation. Eden has always been very entrepreneurial. The name is Project and still very much we do lots of different things. Um, but we've grown up now and having celebrated our 20th anniversary in lockdown and our 21st anniversary this year, it is about us saying, this is how we can help and we haven't got time you know we have to do this at, at an accelerated pace now um and that's why we're looking at other Edens and um, you know we have planning permission for Morecambe we have planning permission for Dundee and we're looking at Edens on other continents and that's how you know we want to help share that message globally I mean it is a fabulous place I mean and lots mm. of people know it for the biomes and, and what have you but this is what's really interesting to me this is a whole lot more stuff behind the scenes oh. you talk about growing up we'll get into that as we as we get into this chat i think as we as we think about really what that has looked like and what agenda that has set for your own people mm -hmm. right going yeah. forward so let's try and set the scene here for our listeners right the last two few years have been tough um and i'd interested to find out what it's really been like on the inside for those people the team at eden what are the challenges you yeah. faced been what have you done as a result? And what has been so critical about the timing of, of COVID hitting when it did with your plans? Um, yeah, everyone just went full stop, didn't they? Yes, pretty <laughs> much. It felt, it felt like that anyway. Um, so we, at the beginning of, um, so 2019 into 2020, um, we, we had some, this was, you know, COVID was happening, the news was coming out of China, but I think, people really hadn't started appreciating it in the UK at that time. 
Uh, and we had a, a change in our senior team um, at the beginning of January 2020. Uh, we had two chief executives, um, which was uh, Eden Project Limited and Eden Project International. And one of those CEOs um, left the organization in January. Um, so at that stage, we're thinking about, you know, how do we form? How do we take this forward? And then COVID just took over everybody's lives. So in a very, very short space of time, um, the HR team and particularly the, the, the HR and the health and safety teams had a, a whole different world that they were operating in. Um, and that obviously wasn't a, a time that we need, we should be looking at bringing in a new CEO. We needed to focus on how business survived, as most organisations did through those times. So, so it was really turbulent. And that was at a time when actually a lot of the international work was really starting to gather pace, um, you know, moving from feasibility into growth phases. Uh, obviously, you couldn't build in China during a COVID crisis because they were locking China down as, as much as they were locking the UK down. Mm. So, so there were, there were lots of things that had to be kept warm. Um, but at a time we were dealing with a country in a crisis and how that would impact us as a, as an organization. Um, you know, we, we can't share mission values and our vision for the future unless we've got a business that has survived the story that we went through. Mm. So, um, 2020 was tough. Um, we, you know, obviously as everyone went into lockdown, nobody knew about furlough. I don't think anyone had heard the word furlough, possibly unless you're in America because it's, it, it, they use the term out there. Um, so very quickly, you know, we all learned about furlough. We learned about, Obviously, to health and safety, we learned about how we needed to keep our people safe. Um, and very quickly, my team had to move from being a pure, uh, well, that, that, it's probably not say, not fair to say that. We always support people, but we had to do it in a very different way. Yeah. So alongside trying to understand the financials of what was going on and, you know, where we, how, how and when we could pay people, um, which, which wasn't uh, ultimately an issue with furlough, but, um, you know, when this first started, it, it was a concern. Um, we had to really re reevaluate everything we did, how we offered it and how we could support people. So my, uh, my great L&D manager um, and my wonderful HR business partner um, worked, we worked as a very small team to look at how we, really did internal communications over this period we knew we weren't going to be doing a huge amount of training and how we looked after people's well-being so um those were the key things for us and the the team put in place a great plan in terms of internal comms so we had a structure around business briefings from our leaders um, we had social uh, events in the calendar that people join like tea breaks and parties and quizzes um, and then running alongside that, we built a, a wellbeing and resilience program, all, all based on e-learning or Zoom over that time and put people in touch with people if we if there were people that um, isolated or needing extra support. So it became um, we, we often talk about Eden being the village hall of Cornwall. Yeah. We, we, we became the village hall for our people at that time. Um, very small skeleton staff who stayed physically keeping things going because you know the plant the plants do need watering and right. um, and we had to keep the buildings safe uh, for when people did return. So a very small team uh, worked over that time to keep that all together. But the one thing we knew, probably a month into the time, the first lockdown was. Financially, we were going to be in a completely different world when we reopened. We were going to have to open very differently. Our model had to change. Um, and that 
obviously was a big standard of work for the senior team. And one of the difficult decisions we had to take was um, that we we had to take the decision to do a major restructure because we could see our main income is visitor um, visitors coming to see us and we didn't have any of those for five months. And then when we did, only a few were coming back because people weren't allowed to travel. Right. So we, we, had a ver- we had a very different business model. We had to introduce time ticketing. We obviously had to in, in put in place all the safety measures, social distancing, screens, um, you know, everything we all know now around masks and hand sanitizers and cleaning um, regimes. Um, and that within that, we knew that actually took a lot less staff and we didn't know how long we were going to be in that phase for. So um, we announced early in July 2020 a major restructure, um, all levels, all teams, um, with a, a, a six-week consultation period, um, which we then went through. Which would, have, which would have been a worrying time for a lot of employees, right? Absolutely. At that, at that point. Totally. And, you know, we that that's where the internal comms part became even more important mm. because people needed, you know, we couldn't see people face-to-face in big groups. So we had to use technology and we had to find more creative ways of doing things. Um, and, the, and one of the biggest pieces of feedback we got out of the restructure, whether people stayed or they were people that departed from us, was that everyone felt very well communicated with. They felt that they, you know, the, the messages weren't always easy to hear, but we were truthful and transparent. And that stood us in a lot of good stead when we were going through that process. Absolutely. I think in those situations, Dawn, you, that kind of honest candour is what people really need to hear, isn't it? They, there's no point flanneling around and soft-soaping the messages so people don't really understand what's going on. People need clarity. They need to know where they are. But you can do that in an, uh, in an empathetic, supportive way, can't you? And, we, you know, that's what we did. I mean, the team, I've got, I'm looking at my pin board in front of me and I've got thank you cards on it. You don't generally get thank you cards when people make redundant. No, no. We did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we must have done something right. And I, I think one of the things, you know, we, we, we do pride ourselves in trying to be a bit creative. Mm. Um, and at a time where... You know, we couldn't convene more than 30 people at a time. That was the maximum that was uh, the, the, the limit. And then outside. So, and we ran, we ran roadshows, you know, job search, not just job search, but whole job roadshows where we had, you know, multi-agency coming in to support people who were at risk, um, you know, training, CV writing, job applications, other employers who did have jobs coming in and sharing those with us, mm. um, you know, support people who might be interested in setting up their own business. So we, we ran two of these workshops, um, which were roadshows that ran sort of from 10 till 4 each day and you could book a slot to come along. Um, and and I think actually we went early in the restructure market. We took that decision quite specifically because we felt if we went when we did, that would give our employees more chance to find other opportunities before other employers needed to get into this space. Mm. And, and I think a lot of people appreciated that as well because we have a lot of people who secured employment very quickly. Um, in, it's quite often in other sectors, but um, it was a it was quite a humbling exercise to go through. And we made 169 people redundant. We had one appeal. Uh, it wasn't upheld. No tribunals. And since that time, just north of 50 people have returned to work for even as we built back. Great. So that's 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 a nice regenerative story where within all of that, isn't it? Um, yeah. And you've mentioned the internal comms, the 
the social aspects, the well-being and resilience stuff. I mean, out of the turmoil that those two years kind of faced, yeah. you've clearly taken some some good stuff. What's what's stuck with you? What's what's kind of like things that you've ended up putting together in in that period of time that actually now are, are part of the furniture at, at Eden when it comes to people? What what does that look like? Well, one of the biggest ones is uh, formalising an employee um, internal communications and employee engagement strategy, right? Um, which I presented yesterday to our senior team. And that was on the back of, we knew how important, just from the feedback we were getting, how important all the channels of comms we were doing through lockdown were, and then how we took that forward in the periods we were working in terms of keeping people updated. And... The, so this led to a conversation at the early part of 2021 um, where I was talking to Deb, who's my L&D manager, saying, I really don't think we can step, because as we were needing to return to doing more things that we would normally do in mm. L&D, mm. um, we, you know, we were both sure that we couldn't do without internal comms and actually we wanted to take it a lot further. Um, so we brought on a digital media apprentice into our team in September last year who has been just amazing. And we have taken internal comms, but well, we think we have, we've taken internal comms to another level in the organisation um, to a point now we've got support for, a, you know, a whole strategy of, um, you know, multimedia approach. Um, we've, you know, really listening to what the team say about how they want to receive their information um, and, you know, modernising some of it. So we've started doing, rather than just having, you know, flat text articles, Rob will go out and do videos. Right. Um, we put digi notice boards up. Um, because people who are customer facing who are not at a PC on a regular basis, um, but they can see the digiboards if they're on break. So um, th there's been a number of things that we have developed from those times and we won't let go now. And, and I think the other arm of that is the wellbeing arm. Mm. Um, I mentioned my HRBP, uh, Lady called Lorraine, and she has a real passion around the whole field of wellbeing, mental health support. And through that time, she really worked with our mental health first aiders. We put a whole package of resilience training in place. And all of that, you know, it's still there today. We still use, use that and, and have developed it further. Um, and I think that networking approach that we built through COVID has stood us in good stead in terms of internal support. Now people are back in the organisation. Um, and I think, you know, they, I would not let go of those now. I definitely would. They wouldn't be areas if somebody said to me, well, you need to cut them. I would fight very, very hard for them. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, some of, the, some of the key parts of any engagement strategy come down to setting some clear direction so people know, know where they're headed and can understand and see themselves in that story and understand the part that they play. But also something as simple as, sharing more information more broadly you know yeah. often we we hide information not purposely necessarily but oh, i don't bother somebody with something or it's not important well letting people be the judge of what's important and and how informed they feel can make a massive a difference to do engagement I, I know we we haven't got tons and tons of time today but broadly what does that engagement strategy look like dawn what are the sort of principles behind it so the principles are that it's truly two-way yeah. and the way the way that we've tried to show that is instead of a, a perhaps more traditional cascade approach mm -hmm. um and um, so jed, jed did say to me yesterday 
this was a really good idea so i'll take that <laughs> um the infinity so so if you you know the figure of eight if you yes. turn it on its side and you get an infinity all's difficult with radio isn't it can't, can't yes, for, the, for, the, for the benefit of the tape <laughs> we're now drawing a, a number eight on its side there we That's go so we have this flow um which includes what we've done is break down our key communication um requirements from daily weekly monthly quarterly annually so we've looked at what the what those channels are how they survive in the organization but what we have done that we've not done before is the feedback loop so by taking it into this infinity approach where every touch has a feedback point and mm. um, it keeps that cycle alive and that that means that we have a a firm plan in terms of a what we will do and what we will share and how we will share it so people know what's coming when but they also know what will happen within their team they know what will happen from the members assembly which is our in-house um, employee or well, works council they used to be called very not the language we use now but employee <laughs> forum uh, i am that old um in terms <laughs> in terms of their voice being heard but one of the biggest things we've just done um is we in line with this refresh that we're going through we have recently relaunched our mission statements we're in the process of a five-year plan that's you know pretty much we, we have that that you know nailed down now um but knowing we came out of some really difficult times the other thing we've done is a huge piece of work about values right we've listened to everybody in the organization we've played that back to the senior team now and we're now at a stage where we have six value statements and we have um six connecting words which are um collaborative in terms of how we've brought that information together um and what we're doing now is taking that into behaviors frameworks Brilliant. so so that inter and that for me is also this this cycle. Jed um, had a great analogy when we were talking about values and and how you have to keep coming back to them. You can't you can't just do it and forget it and tick it off. You have to keep coming back in communications like that too. And he has this um, again. It's another visual that you have to bring to mind. But if you have a measure a suit made to measure. It might fit nicely when you first try it on, but actually you might need to move around in it a bit, sit down, understand if it needs to take changing anywhere. And I think comms and engagement are very much like that as well, that you have to keep listening. You have to say, okay, well, that's a bit tight. Perhaps we need to do it a different way. Otherwise, it will start to crumble and it won't keep that cycle going of the figure of eight. So, so when we're doing all of these things around comms and engagement and values, the important bit for us is to keep going back and checking. So keep going back, is that still right? Or do we need to, need to tweak it a bit to make it fit better now? We're moving forward with it. I love that. I mean, I mean, values and behavior work is some of my favorite work to do. Right? Mm. I, I, in, in my life, I love doing that stuff. Yeah. And I, I'm absolutely sitting here with a heart full of joy listening to what you're saying. Not just because I think the infinity symbol is a marvelous metaphor for that ongoing continuous conversation that you need yeah. to have with with engagement but this point around tweaking and evolving and keeping it relevant to the people in the business that it adds value to them then it helps the business meet its objectives it's far better to revisit these things and make subtle tweaks than live with a bunch of values and behaviors that bear no relevance or resemblance to what's really really happening because people just end up oh, ignoring it, it. Exactly. 
And that's why we wanted to be committed to that everybody would be invited to attend a workshop that 366 people that we've done over the last month and six, well, six weeks. And that's, um, we are, we, we are not leading those workshops. We've invested in a partner yeah. who, is, who is also from a values driven organization who can be neutral. Yeah. And that, that has pr- proved just so valuable in terms of getting the truth and getting to where we need to be. And we, we've got, we, we're calling it our DNA. We're calling it Eden DNA because that's what we want to be able to take into any other Eden that we do. That's why it's important we do it now at the start of this five year cycle and we keep coming back to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what, what we've done with that, so you can probably imagine a visual that is looking like a DNA strand. Yeah. Um, and and then around that, we've got the six statements and the, at the moment, this is where we're trying them on. So these haven't been, you know, printed, published. So this is a bit hot off the press. A bit of road testing. Um, we need that. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And that's what we're doing. But where we've landed at the moment um, is that we're human, we're inclusive and we're generous. We're playful. We're relentlessly curious. We're a project. Um, we're brave. We're bold and we're passionate about what we believe in. We're connected. We're kind to the planet, ourselves and each other. And we're hopeful. We act, we're actively hopeful about creating a better future. That's our raison d'etre. That's what we're here to do. And through all of that, we're nurturing and we connect, we collaborate, we, we engage people through conversation and storytelling. That's what we, that's what we're good at at Eden. Yeah. And, and those, that framework of six has, has been undoubtedly, um, tested and is the majority feel for our organization. So, so we feel we're in a really good place now to use that as our next step into behaviors and some of the other things that we need to do. Um, really to keep this living and breathing throughout the time that we, we use it and we keep trying it on. I think that's fantastic. And I'm, again, for radio, I'm sitting here smiling. Like I, I've visited Eden myself. I love it. I think it's, I think it's a marvelous place. And when you're using those words, they definitely evoke uh, a very visceral image of what I experience. Mm-hmm. At Eden, and what I would hope is going on behind the scenes, because you don't see all this sort of stuff that's yeah. going on behind the scenes, right? But they feel intuitively in line with what Eden is, and this this emerging urgent agenda that we're having to sort of face into with with your help. So, look, yeah. you've obviously been dealing with a lot and a lot since then. And so, mm-hmm. just what are some of the things now that you're working way through the strategy plan, and you're you've got this focus on engagement? Some of the things that are now in progress what 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 is going on um there's there's sort of the big headline stuff which, which we talked about international development other sites and an awful lot of work going on behind that um and that's including a big piece of um, multi-team work called eden in a box which is taking um everything we do so that we can transport that faithfully to other evens um and you can probably imagine from a people team perspective, there's an awful lot we need to get in that box. Values, behaviours are <laughs> a, a, a part of that. But there's a whole lot more we need to do. So um, what we're doing as a team for this this 12 months is focusing on what we're terming brilliant basics. So we're going back over what we do, how we do it, is it fit for purpose? Do we need to refresh it? Do we need to streamline it? Because we're going to need to be able to say this is exactly how we need to do it in other organisations. So we're using it as an opportunity to make sure what we're doing is not just ticking the box, but it is, is it's exactly right for now and it's scalable for the future. Um, I, you know, I love this phase because having gone through restructure in 2020, 
you know, yes, HR people have to do that, but actually what we really like doing are things about engagement, well-being, EDI, um, all of those things are the things that make us happy in terms of showing that we've helped people. So um, taking that forward, you know, we've got a, a, I'm about to um, engage, I suppose is the right word, but um, a multifaceted uh, audit that we're doing on uh, EDI, so access, inclusion, diversity, um had a great meeting this morning with somebody on on the EDI front we've, we've put in place a, a group of inclusion champions that are helping us with that um recognizing things so when we're talking about the values how we recognize people so we we introduced random acts of kindness actually in covid because of what we could see was happening as a a friend-to-friend employee network and we've taken that further and enhanced it and the next iteration will be moving that into our values as well um so there's, there's plenty for us to do, as well as sort of the, the bigger scale projects, feasibility and, and, and keeping, you know, 400 dogs off keeping And there's a lot to well. do. There's a lot to do. Yeah, if you could, well. if you could have a quick look back and whisper something in your ear before COVID about what you should look out for or do, what would that be? Um, it, do you know, I've, I've been thinking about this and thinking about this and I think, the first one might sound a bit selfish, but the first one is that you probably need to take time for yourself if you're going to get through this alive. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think most of us, we were a very small team working through it and it was hard and slog after slog. And I think because of that, you know, sometimes maybe I didn't make the best decisions at some points. Um, and I'd want to be, I think, more energetic to be able to deal with some of those things because we were a very spent team over that time. But I think the piece of advice that I'd, you know, um, would, what would I do differently if I if I did it again? Um, I'd have had a bigger team <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, three of us did the vast majority of the the whole of the the restructure and the return to work plans, um, and it was a massive exercise. And I think sometimes as an organisation, and it's not just us. I think everybody tries to do things sometimes on a shoestring because they're conscious of the impact on the organisation and the bottom line, whereas sometimes there has to be a bit of give on that so that you don't break people. I think that's such a good bit of advice uh, to to finish on there today. Actually, a really nice way to finish on. Give yourself some slack and uh, think about it a bit differently. Um, that is all the time we have with you today, Dawn. I'm, I, I'm regretful of that, but that's the reality. Listen, everybody, don't forget to visit engagedness.org to check out the show notes and all of our fab free engagement resources. And you can also download or stream any of the great shows from the archive as well at your leisure. Dawn, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and experiences and advice at the end there today. So thank you for that. No, thank you. It's been great to talk to you. And you, Dawn. But we'll be back again at the same time next week. I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.